Hello and welcome to Metaphorically Speaking with Delia Delore, the show that explores the impacts of commonly used phrases on our world's diverse cultures and how people's use of them shape our perspective on the societies that we live in. When I was thinking of today's metaphor, which is what goes around comes around. I know you've heard that one many times before. You've most probably used it several times too. I immediately thought of how COVID-19 is a good example of the saying. Think about it. If we don't listen to the guidelines, the virus is going to spread. And of course, it's going to go round and round. It's just going to create a continuous circle. So it makes our saying a negative one, doesn't it? Because if we're going round in circles, it means that there aren't any answers. I started to think about the research that we did for this program, which showed that the saying actually was meant to be a positive one, and it was started by the African-American community. More on that later. I hope that you've started January 2021 in a positive light, regardless of what's happening around us. If you remain positive, things will be easier to cope with. No more lecturing for me. Let's get on with the show. Today, I'll be speaking with Buddhist Petsy Finden on how today's phrase, what goes around comes around, illustrates our culture's attitudes towards personal wrongdoings and justice. But first, some context. The phrase, what goes around comes around, also the basis of a hit Justin Timberlake song, suggests that one's actions, whether good or bad, will eventually have equal consequences. One of the first documented appearances of the expression was in the 1962 book Burn, Killer, Burn. The novel, written by African-American death row inmate Paul Crump, is a semi-autobiographical story about a prisoner who decides to commit suicide rather than face the chair. In the same year, William Friedkin, director of The Exorcist and The French Connection, made his movie debut with a documentary focused on Crump's story. The film was The People vs. Paul Crump, and it aimed to change Crump's fate by suggesting that he had been rehabilitated during his time on death row, and in fact maybe he was innocent, which according to research conducted by the National Academic Society, 4.1% of current death row inmates are. Friedkin sent his film to the then governor who issued a pardon to Crump as he felt so moved by the documentary. It's hard to say whether any of the players in this story got back what they had given. Friedkin saved a life and went on to become a hugely successful director. But Crump spent most of his life in prison but alive. Was this ultimately his comeuppance for the crime that he was accused of? Let's take a pause and listen to the words of Justin Timberlake's What Goes Around Comes Around, and you'll see how it fits in with the rest of the show.
Since its first recorded use, the proverb, what goes around comes around, has often been used in a negative context, like I said earlier, but this hasn't always been the case. In 1974, anthropologist Carol B. Stack wrote a groundbreaking account of life within African-American ghettos titled, All of Our Kin, Strategies for Surviving in a Black Community. Stack debunked the myth that those living in true poverty were highly unstable and disorganized. Her use of the phrase explained how households adapted to their environment by creating strong social connections with family, friends and neighbors. These support networks were both vast and complex and were vital in the spread of material goods and services, such as for food or childcare, through a simple act of swapping. The phrase is used more literally in this context, reminding us of our role within our local communities and how to find non-monetary value in things around us. According to linguist Margaret G. Lee, the expression what goes around comes around originally came from an African proverb, which is most likely why the two instances mentioned come from those heavily influenced by African-American communities. However, when we think of the message behind today's expression, we can see that it embodies the concept of karma. I'm sure you were thinking of that maybe a bit earlier. Karma can be enacted on all levels, whether physically, mentally, or even spiritually. So what goes and comes back can be much more nuanced than a reformed criminal spending the rest of his days in prison. This is because it may not just be what we do that returns to us, but what we say and even what we think. You could spend your morning thinking positively and creatively and finish your day having cleaned your house or painted a picture. But if you instead spent the morning thinking negatively and destructively, you may find it impossible to complete any one task. I know I've been there. Here's a couple of points on how to attract good karma. Living with compassion is one of the simplest ways to attract good karma into your life. Gandhi stated, be the change you want to see. You must practice what you want to get first if drawing good karma into your life is what you wish for. Kindness and compassion are something that you can practice to have a more sincere heart and intention toward other people. Karma teaches us to always be kind and to think of our future. This can be something as simple as paying someone a compliment or smiling at your bus driver. That smile or compliment could travel back and meet us at a later date. Isn't that a nice what goes around comes around in the positive sense? Karma then could be seen as being like a currency, though we may not be paid back all at once. Petsy Finden works at the Nagajuna Kadampa Meditation Center. 
One of her roles is as a board member of the British Chaplain. For a number of years, she presented a weekly slot on BBC Radio Northampton. She joined me for Metaphorically Speaking on Zoom. So my name is Pet Finden and I live and study at Nagarjuna Kadampa Meditation Centre and one of my roles here, I have a few, so I'm a, a, a Buddha chaplain, so that means that I spend a lot of time with people maybe who are very poorly or conducting funerals. I'm also one of our teachers here, so I teach courses and classes and when the world is more normal, I go out and do a lot of visits. We have a lot of school kids coming in. Of course, at the moment, that's not quite happening, although we're getting very used to Zoom and maybe doing some things on Zoom. So I've been living at Nakajuna Centre for about 13 years. We've been involved with Buddhist faith probably well, for over 25 years now. So a little while. OK, a little. <laughs> All right. So what was your original cause for entering the Buddhist community and how would you say it has changed you as an individual? Well, the reason that I first became interested was um, not very exciting. But what happened was a long time ago, about 26 years or so ago, I saw advertised where I used to live a talk one evening on uh, Buddhism and at the time I had a friend who was going through quite a difficult time and I thought oh maybe this would be of interest to her and I of course was interested as well so I went along to the talk and I suppose completely fell in love with the spiritual teachings uh, from Buddhism and then gradually became more and more involved started going to more classes started trying to develop a meditation practice so it all started in quite a gentle way and I would say it's been a very gentle journey to where I am now you know living studying uh, within a, a, a residential Buddhist community Mm. But now, it all started in, Lu in Luton in the Quaker Luton. meeting house with an evening talk yeah. in the middle of winter. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. But um, yeah. as, as you know, our metaphor this week is what goes around comes around. Do yes. you believe that this effect of karma mm. is a substantial force that can change <laughs> the way that you live your life? I would say most definitely. So when I saw the, the metaphor, what goes around comes around, instantly in my mind, I translated it to the word karma. So probably most people know that within Buddhism, karma is a major part of our understanding. And karma translated, the literal translation means cause and effect. So I think this, this appeals to everyone actually, this sense of fairness. And by developing a personal understanding of karma, which is what it is, trying to see that the actions that we engage in will at some time have an effect in the future, then this gives us, I suppose, an ethical way of living. So we understand if we want to feel happy in the future, then we need to train to be happy now, to be able to benefit others, you know, so that in the future people will be kind to us. Mm -hmm. So we take it as a personal understanding. So I would say, actually, it's very life-changing you know, when we contemplate in this way. The main thing I found for myself is that through contemplating action and effect, it, it encourages me that I can determine how I want my future. So as Buddhists, you know, we believe in future lives as well. So not just in this life, but in our future lives, then we can guide the experiences that we want to have by doing those things that will cause those things to happen right now so trying to be the best person we can be for example trying to help and support the people around us and definitely trying not to cause any harm and only benefiting others yes of course um pet when have you seen what goes around comes around 
it was interesting. I was trying to think, well, you know, let's try and think of some examples. And one that made me smile immediately that I think it is quite quite a maybe a good example, because when we think of karma, we tend to think of huge things, don't we? You know, very dramatic things, maybe. But on a day to day level, we can understand everything that we experience comes from a previous cause. So uh, a little while ago, a few years ago, I uh, was with an old friend, an old Buddhist friend called Jenny. And I was living here then. So we went to visit Althorpe, you know, took her out for the day, she'd come to stay. Had a lovely day looking at beautiful old buildings, going around the gardens. And then we came back, got in my car, you know, got the car, she, I sat down, she sat down, and she had a, a bottle of water. And she just squirted it at me, you know, very instinctive. And we both burst out laughing. And she said she had no idea why she'd done it. Absolutely no idea. And because she was Buddhist as well, I said, well, you know, karma, probably in a previous life, I squirted water at you. So now, <laughs> for reasons, none of us, you know, neither of us completely understood. So we just stared at each other in complete shock and then burst out laughing. And we had to conclude that the reason that, that had happened was in some previous time, as again, as Buddhists, we believe in past life. So probably in a previous life, I had done something to her, yes. you know, similar. So now I had a face full of water <laughs> sitting in my car <laughs> in the Northamptonshire countryside. Oh. So I think those small examples that we can't explain maybe any other way, because she doesn't normally do things like that. It has to be said. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> so we can, we can have those small examples. Or another one, actually, that I think for me really, really helped me in my understanding of karma is that as, when I was younger, um, very socially unacceptable now, but I used to smoke. You know, back in the day when most mm -hmm. people smoked, mm -hmm. and I knew intellectually it's bad for you, it's antisocial, it's not nice for other people, you know, it does a lot of harm, and yet I really enjoyed it. I shouldn't even admit that, should I? But at the time, I really enjoyed it, but I didn't want to. And so when I, you know, came across the Buddhist way of thinking, then I could see that, oh, actually, I had a tendency within my mind that I couldn't explain in this life that led me to want to do that. So I don't smoke now, haven't done for years, managed to give up the habit. But at the time, I, would, I really enjoyed it, but not intellectually, because I knew it wasn't a good thing to do. So we can see that through understanding, you know, what goes around comes around to karma, we can call it many names. Yes. It can explain to us maybe why we have habits that we don't have. I mean, one good example, I think, as well, is sometimes, especially when you're young kids, they can be so naturally kind, can't they? You know, they can be really, really sweet and kind. And, you know, maybe that is a, a mental habit from a previous life they brought with us, this kindness, you know, this um, wanting to be you know, a good child, this sort of thing. But it helps us to understand our own tendencies. You know, sometimes we do extraordinarily kind things, don't we? We hear stories of immense bravery sometimes. And the person that maybe did that action couldn't really explain. You know, they just instinctively maybe save someone's life you know maybe just stop someone running out into the road you know it could be anything couldn't it that you put it that way because i've never really thought about mm. karma as being yeah. like a uh, it's not resurrection but um no. oh, the word is escaping me now reincarnation, reincarnation. Yes. reincarnation. Yes. i never thought of it that way but the way you've just explained it just yes. came to me would you say that mm. it's the 
the probability or possibility? For me personally, yes, I do believe in past and future lives, so rebirth, reincarnation. Um, it's quite a, a fundamental teaching within Buddhism. We don't just have this life, that we have had countless previous lives and that we'll have future lives. So the goal of Buddhism is to escape this cycle. A lot of people have heard the word samsara. Mm -hmm. So this is what Buddha described as being this continuous cycle of being reborn, living a life, dying, leading another life. The goal of Buddhism is to escape from this cycle of samsara and to, uh, to attain the permanent peace of liberation or enlightenment. And an understanding of karma is very important in this because it guides us then in all of the things that not just that we do, the things that we say, the things that we think, you know, especially our mind. Our mind is so important. So we train not just for this life, but we try to train to protect our future lives or to attain liberation, you know, escape from this uncontrolled cycle. So for us as Buddhists, yes, it is a belief that we have. Okay, that's really interesting, which actually leads me very nicely into the next uh, question I have. So for those people who have no idea about the Buddhist religion, what would you say to those who are interested in the effects of your religion and the difference in the overall outlook on life, especially the effects of karma? Yes. So for me, I would say that... Um, First of all, Buddhism is not a faith that tries to convert people. That's probably quite important to say. So if we're talking to people or doing classes, we would never try to persuade someone to adopt our views. So we present Buddhist teachings. Um, so the main ethos, I suppose, of Buddhism is to become the best person that we can be. So we're always striving to work on our own mind. I suppose to take responsibility for the things that we do, the things that we say, and especially to uh, practice meditation as a way of training our mind. So it's very much about, I suppose, self-improvement, but also with the goal that we can then really help other people. So it's a very altruistic faith, I would say. We try to always look at what we can do to help someone you know, whether it's just saying a kind word or even just thinking of them, if there's nothing that we can do. So it's very much about exploring the mind. You know, the mind is very, very important in Buddhism so that we can, I think it's so important, we learn to take responsibility for our own minds because we're so good at blaming others, aren't we? <laughs> you yeah. made me feel this, you made me do that. So within Buddhism, we try to think, okay, what's happening within my mind? You know, why am I thinking this? Why am I feeling that? Is it helpful or is it hindering me in some way? So we go into our mind to try to change how we feel. And I think everybody can benefit from that. You know, whatever your faith, whatever your belief, anything that helps us to feel at peace within our own mind and to improve our relationships with others, which is definitely, you know, this way of thinking helps us to do. And I think has got to be quite useful in the world, especially today, because it is not, not an easy world at the moment, is yeah. it? And there's a lot of unhappiness. Yes, mm. no, definitely. You know, you mentioned uh, you know, before about people being inquisitive, and that led me to think, has there been anything strange that anyone has ever asked you or said mm. to you uh, about yeah. your, the teachings? Yeah, I think, I think actually one thing, I've always remembered it because I had to really keep a straight face because it was so cute. It was once we, um, we went out to visit a school um, to teach the children a little bit because we're often invited by teachers. And so I was telling them all about Nagajuna Centre and a little bit about how to be happy. And 
then at the end, one of the teachers came up, the, the child that asked this must have been a little bit shy because they didn't ask me directly. And they had a very important question they wanted to know. And the question was, do we have toilets at Nagajuna Centre? <laughs> so I could definitely say, yes, we do. <laughs> and I think that was the best question. But I think... I think the one that um, that's made you me laugh. think the most. You laugh. I, I kept because it was a teacher. I think I smiled, but I would try because I would definitely say there's no such thing as a silly question. Really, yeah. there's cute questions and ones that I think okay, yeah. try and keep a, a straight, serious face. But I think the most thought-provoking question I was ever asked was by another school child, mm -hmm. and we'd gone out. They're a little bit older, nine, ten, something like that. And the question that the child asked me was. What can Buddhists offer the world? And I thought that was a lovely oh, question. It Maybe is. a lot, actually. Yeah. It is. But I'll say that first question was quite cute. We're often asked things, though, because myself, I'm a lay practitioner, so I'm not an ordained person. Mm -hmm. But quite often we get asked, do we have to shave our heads? Do we have to wear special clothes? That can be a, a question that comes up quite a lot. So, of course, people who are monks or nuns, then, yes, they appear a little bit differently because mm -hmm. they're taking particular vows but for myself as a lay practitioner I don't have to do that okay so, so Pat, let me put you, on, put you on the spot here for just a, a little moment of course can you remember a time that someone asked you a question that was offensive to you whether they meant um, to be or they didn't mean it was just an innocent question not really I think actually people generally are very very respectful um mm -hmm of the ideas uh sometimes um i've got one relative who's very cynical and about it um she quite likes the idea i live here but she's a little bit cynical of spiritual practice and she sent me on facebook a few years ago a picture of buddha on a, on a packet of butter and underneath it said i can't believe it's not buddha <laughs> which is more funny than offensive yes, yeah, right. but when i Yes, um, but I can't say offensive. I think someone once struggled with the fact that I'd become Buddhist and hadn't been built, born into a Buddhist faith. And I think for them, that maybe caused them a little bit of discomfort. And obviously, I would never want anyone to feel uncomfortable. Yes. But I could tell they were a little bit comfortable and they found it maybe quite challenged that I had changed my faith um, to become Buddhist. But that's probably the closest maybe. Would you say that the way an individual views karma has changed throughout the years and that the belief of doing well by others is slowly fading? Yes, such a good question. I would say with karma over the years in the West, it has been quite badly explained sometimes. Sometimes people say things like, or your karma will get you, or, you know, nasty things like that, which is not a proper understanding of karma at all. People sometimes joke a little bit, don't they, as though karma is almost a punishment and is looked on as being something negative. So hopefully these days there's more of a, an understanding of what karma is, you know, simply cause and effect. So if we create good causes, we get good effects. I would say, actually, the opposite about people, that idea fading. I think these days, and I think the whole COVID pandemic, obviously it's brought out the worst in some people, but for a lot of people, it's brought out the best. You know, that sense of community a few months ago when everyone felt very much a part of a changing world and, you know, everyone standing outside every week to clap for, Claire, for carers, people looking out for neighbours, um, people trying to support each other. Do you remember there was the 
uh, appeal for the NHS for people to ring up and volunteer. Yes. And they were overwhelmed with the amount of people. And I think that was a good example of people wanting to support each other. So I think all of us actually want to do what we can. And then sometimes opportunities come along. So I think this has shown us actually that people are kind, people want to do the right thing. Yeah. And I think we all know, I think on a deep level, we know this phrase, you know, what goes around comes around. We kind of understand it, don't we? We think, yes, of course, if I do something good, that will have a good result for that person or for myself. So I think, and I think people do understand it. Yeah. And think, life definitely gets easier if you do. Yeah, they understand <laughs> it. I think the society understand it more when it came from a negative connotation than yeah. a positive one. It, it, truth be told, the way that I look at it, I think yes. so. And not many people were aware, I should say are aware, that the metaphor, what goes around, comes around, originally came from an African-American, came from that I know. Yeah. I had no, I, I had no idea. I was fascinated to read that. Yes. I mean, if you Google it, you'll find all different kind of where it originated mm. from, but that's where they think it originated from. Mm. And there was... Um, and also thought of mind that there was an American uh, prisoner who was on death row and he actually conned it and he put it in a book and so on and so forth. So there are many different ways, but I think they, they, they thought that that is where originally it came from an African-American um, tabloid. Um, and the phrase then was used as a positive connotation, not negative. How it became negative, I suppose, maybe be, because it came from afterwards, it came from someone um, who was incarcerated but is there a saying that's comparative to that that within Buddhism I would say maybe just the word karma actually I think yes. the more that we understand it because we understand it as cause and effect and a natural law of cause and effect so karma I think means different things to different people but the Buddhist understanding is very clear it's not judgmental it's not saying that if you do something bad, you'll be punished. It's not saying that there is some external force determining what will happen to you, just simply cause and effect. So when we use that word karma, that's what we're trying to understand. That probably be the main, the main word, but everyone has maybe different interpretations, but I'd say that's the Buddhist interpretation. Yes, well, you have said this before whilst we've been talking, but I would like mm. you to reiterate to our listeners mm. how best we can utilize what goes around, comes around, or karma. How can we you yes. best utilize it in a positive way? Yes, I think definitely we can use it maybe as a guiding force. So the more that maybe we think about, you know, what are the good things that I can do? And if I do those things, then I can know that in the future, when, you know, all the conditions are right, then I'll experience those good results. So I think we know generally what good things are. So we can think, I'm going to try to be the best person I can be. I'm going to try not to say anything horrible to people, not to lose my temper. I'm going to try to be kind and patient and thoughtful and just do whatever I can. And if we do that with the knowledge that, of course, in the immediate moment, we're helping other people, but that action isn't lost. You know, we'd say it creates like a seed or an imprint within the mind that then will ripen so we can think, I can determine my future. And of course, you know, if we have a choice, we'll say, I want a good future. You know, I want to have a life that feels fulfilling, meaningful. I don't want to have any suffering or problems or difficulties. And through living our life in accordance with karma, then we can feel confidence that that is what will happen. 
but also it can hold us back from doing things that we might regret because I think we know don't we you know maybe if we sort of snap at someone immediately afterwards we feel horrible don't we we know that we, we wish we hadn't done it and then that can create a whole chain of events as well can't it so sometimes karma can ripen quite quickly but often it takes maybe later in this lifetime or future lifetimes so for me I would say it's a very protective idea it protects me from doing things that you know, I'd regret and would cause myself problems in the future. Obviously, there's problems for other people, but it shows me how to live the life that I want to live. So it's a very practical understanding, I would say. It gives us a method and a way to live our life so that as our life progresses, we feel happier. Because whenever we do positive things, we feel good, don't we? You know, there's that effect immediately. And then we keep practicing in this way, keep trying, not becoming despondent if we mess it up sometimes, because of course we will, but just trying gently, naturally. So for me, it's that, um, I suppose, ethical guidelines you know, for living a very mentally healthy life, you know, very meaningful life. Yes, especially now in this, you know, COVID-19 era, I hate to say the word era, pandemic, I suppose is a better word, mm. but especially mm. in these times where we have noticed or we've seen that anxiety mm. and depression and loneliness has just mm. escalated. So it's horrible. Isn't yes, it? Yeah. it is. It is. So even though we kind of forget about the what goes around comes around philosophy, but we think of the karma, it should mm. perhaps help to calm yeah. us down, to put things into perspective and to help others. You know, this is not the time to be spiteful. This is the time to to help others and to perhaps you know be be more gracious and be kind to ourselves and to others what do you think oh most definitely and i think we all know don't we if we do something kind to someone else we feel better as well don't we we're taking our mind maybe away from our own problems and worries we're focusing on someone else and it lifts our mind doesn't it and i was, I was talking to a friend of mine a few weeks ago she also has like buddhist uh, practice and she was saying that throughout this last few months, she's saying, actually, she's felt the most peaceful that she has ever felt because she's called on these ideas. So, you know, if we can transform what is a horrible situation, there's a lot of suffering, is there a lot of problems, a lot of fear. But if we can try to work with that and understand that what we need to do is try to work on our minds to become peaceful so that we can maybe help others to be peaceful during this time, then... I think that's a very positive way of coming through these extraordinary times. And yeah. we don't know how long it will last, do we? It could be a while. Well, Pat, it's been amazing talking to you. But before we go, um, I'd like to know whether what's happening at the centre, is there anything that we can look forward to? How can we contact you? Yes, so we are based in a little village called Thornby in Northamptonshire. Um, if you want any information about the centre, probably the best way is on our website, which is www.meditatingnorthamps.com. So please do come and visit us. But you can look on the website. We've got a Facebook page as well. Just look at Nagajun Meditation Centre Thornby. Mm -hmm. And everything, again, is on there. So we put up a lot of pictures of the grounds, the centre. But everyone's very welcome to come. And just to reassure you, you know, we do take COVID very, very seriously. So we are very careful. If you come to any courses, we get one of those temperature guns. You know, the ones where yes, you take temperature. Yes. Um, um, where everyone is socially distant. In our meditation hall, we only have a few people with us chairs 
very properly spaced out so everything was very well managed we've been you know very careful and very fortunate we've had no incidents of the virus at all here um, but everyone's really welcome to come but look on the website look on the facebook page and you'll find out all about us okay spell out the website for us please. Yes. so it's all one word meditate in northamps.com if you look on the Facebook page, meditateinnorthants.com, the Facebook page, I'll spell Nagajuna. That's N A G A R J U N A. If you put in Nagajuna Kadampa Meditation Center Thornby, then it will come up. Okay. And we've got everything. We've got little video clips. We've yes, got I, I have had a look. It's awesome. I, I think that's pretty good. Isn't isn't it? Great, definitely. Definitely. Wonderful. Oh, it'd be lovely to see you. I don't know where you live, but if you're ever here, pop in, have a coffee. It's a peaceful place. People come here to feel peaceful. And I'm going to hold you through that pet. I really am. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being a guest on Metaphorically Speaking and uh, look forward to meeting you soon. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's curious to think that the phrase, what goes around comes around, is relatively modern. However, the concept behind it stretches back centuries and even across cultures. It's believed to be first used with a positive meaning by the Afro-American communities of the 70s, illustrating the idea of pooling resources to share with the community. In her book, All Our Kin, Strategies for Survival in a Black Community, her account of African-American ghettos in the 1970s showed how families in the flats adapted to their poor conditions by forming large, lifelong support networks based on friendship and family that were very complex and well-structured. But not only that, within Afro-American communities, the sentence was generally being used with the meaning of life as a cycle, what happened will happen again, even if in a different form. Here's something you'll be interested in. Saracen Films produced a film called What Goes Around Comes Around and most of the comments it received say how real it is with one person saying that they want their adult children to watch it. It's a twisted tale about love, lust and lost. Ever take the time to look back at your life? What's wrong? You should. Because the way things start out usually determines the way they all end up. In 1979, six months in my mother's womb, I had a front row seat to the attempted murder of a man by a woman. The man was my father, and the woman was my mother. John, wake up, John. I swear I'm gonna shoot you in the face if you don't wake up by the time I come to five. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. Jackie, Jackie, no. No, Jackie. Jackie, you know me allergic to bullets. Please, don't shoot me. I know about John. How could you? Maybe. I can explain. My sister, John. How could you do this to me? I'm six months pregnant with your child. And she's six months pregnant with your child too. 
John. Jackie, you're not thinking straight right now. You okay, know. since you're the one with two heads, why don't you think for the both of us? One of your heads has to go, John. Okay, tell me, which one do you value more? The one above your neck? Or the one below your waist? Jackie, don't get yourself into trouble, Jackie. We're sorry. We? Yeah, both heads sorry. The top head and the oh. bottom head. So you're funny. Okay. I'll decide which head goes. No, Jackie, no, Jackie, no, Jackie, no, Jackie. Please, Jackie, Jackie, no! Now I know you want to hear more, so watch it on YouTube. Many of the proverbs used in Christian countries feed on the Bible. There are at least 11 references to this concept across the Holy Book, ranging from the book of Isaiah to the Romans. There is a belief that a divine justice is watching over your actions and your wrongdoings, which will be noticed and written down on a debt slate. I quote, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap, says Galatians 6-7. For cultures untouched by the Greco-Latin and Christian influence, like those Asian cultures based on Hinduism or Buddhism, the idea of karma is always present. Those who preach karma differentiate about individual or collective actions, meaning that karma can also be collective. In Buddhist thinking, everything we are witnessing right now both at a personal level and societal level, is the culmination of all the choices that people have made over time, including those of our parents, grandparents and ancestors, together with the choices people are making as we speak. The ecological crisis could be therefore considered a karmic manifestation, fruit of human actions. Thank you to our guest Petsy Finden and thank you for listening to Metaphorically Speaking with Delia Delore. This programme was created by Delia Delore Productions with original distribution by Colourful Radio. This episode was hosted by Delia Delore and segments written by Leora Mansell and Sabina Laucopra and script written by Leora Mansell with script supervisor on a web. This show was produced by Delia Delore and Sam Colwood and edited by Reese Bridge. Social media and branding was conducted by Andre Kosov and Ojiwa Akasvenhaar.